0: There's one thing that i have noticed about this church from i've started to come to it this past a few months and it says there's a great freedom in this place the holy spirit seems to be at a work in a way that i haven't seen for quite a, quite a time personally i found myself able to be restored to be built up in the things of god again to get a fresh desire a fresh hunger for the word and the spirit that was my experience of this church It also reminded me of the very reason God called me and you, that we are called to transform the landscape around us. And I know that many of you this morning don't feel like that. Don't, Don't believe for one moment that God has chosen you or even empowered you to change the landscape around you. Well, I want to prove to you this morning and tell you this morning that's not true, that God has empowered each child of God to transform the landscape around us. The theme this morning is being spirit-filled. Now, I I don't know about you, but when I first got saved uh, 14 years ago thereabouts, when I heard anything about the the baptism of the Holy Spirit or or Pentecostals, I just thought of strangest things. And I had a wee video to play this morning, but it was too crazy. And I thought, no, we'll not not go there. But what I used to think of was these crazy men and women swinging from chandeliers, and they've even taken that from them with these fancy lights. There wouldn't be much fun swinging from these, but that was my perception, okay? When I think of God, I learned something this week, and I have to set this down. I wonder, can somebody tell you what I'm saying? Does that mean anything? Well, as we were worshiping this week, it was a bit of sign language. And it was just in case. It meant holy. And I want to say this to you. When I talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when I think of God, I think of holiness. I believe in the holiness of God. I believe in the reverence of God. I believe in the re- being respectful in the things of God. So don't think that anything I'm going to share this morning is going to be anything like swinging from the rafters. And as a the Neelam uh, pastor and somebody who's been in Edom churches for many years. I haven't seen anybody swing from the rostrum. Rasp- from the raspers, okay? It's 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 a different par that we're speaking about. I've seen Stuart argue there. I remember seeing him one time nearly swinging, but from the <laughs> so spirit-filled people, empowered to witness in word and deed. You get the deed bit. Many can witness by mouth, but it's that par that gives us the power to, to witness in deed in our actions. But perhaps the greatest miracle that I've seen in the, in the life-changing power of the Spirit is this, that we are carriers of joy in all situations. Carriers of joy in all situations. When we serve Jesus in our own strength, listen, it would leave us weak and powerless, and we've all been there. And it's a bit like my friend William. Let me tell you about my friend William. It goes like this. On a sunny morning... William's mother came into her son's room and said, William, it's Sunday, time to get up, time to get up and go to church. And from under the covers came this noise, I don't want to go. What do you mean, she said, that's silly, now get up and get dressed and get to church. No, he shot back, and I'll give you two reasons why. I don't like them, and they don't like me. Nonsense, she said. Now, I'm going to give you two reasons why you should go. First, you're 42 years of age. Second, you're the pastor of the church. So, to avoid feeling like our pastor friend who doesn't want to get out of bed, we need help from heaven. Is that fair enough? We need help from heaven. It took me many years to believe this, by the way. But I believe it wholeheartedly. So, what's my message here this morning? Well, I want to remind you this morning of this. I want to remind you of a supernatural life. A supernatural life. A life like no other. A life that is only available to those who know and love the Lord. So, in our text this morning, a wave of persecution has come against the early church in Jerusalem. I want you to understand that the firing pin of this persecution was the stoning of David. Or Stephen, sorry. Now listen, Stephen loved the Lord, but the religious leaders of the day didn't. They carried a form of godliness, but they couldn't accept the truth. So Stephen, being a typical man, he thought that he would tell them some home truths, you know, as we do, truths like this, that how their fathers also rejected Moses in the wilderness, the desire to go back to Egypt. And how they also rejected the prophets. Every time God sent the word to them, he rejected it at it hard hearts. And he turns around and he says to them that now they too are just like their fathers. You know, you too are rejecting Jesus, the truth. At this stage, Stephen sort of loses the plot. If we, if we were to go back to chapter 7, listen to the words and, and how he addresses them. He says, listen, you are stubborn people. You are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? Imagine I get up and said all that. It wouldn't be, go down too well. But it's that one question I want to draw our attention to. At the end of Stephen's statement, it says, must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? And I believe it's for somebody this morning. That God has more for you to do, more to empower you with, but you believe the lie that this is it. And God wants to break through your heart this morning. And the weak question I wanted to rest with you, must you forever resist what God is trying to say to you? Listen, the early church was spirit-filled. So the question for me is And was the church spirit-filled? Scripture clearly teaches and says that it was. The question is this, is today's church spirit-filled? I thank God I can stand here in a church that I can testify in my own witness that Spirit-filled. Another wee question I ask myself, you can ask this to yourself too, am I, are we, Spirit-filled? In verse 55 of the previous chapter regards to Stephen, we're told that Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and he saw the glory of God and he saw Jesus. And I firmly believe that we are Spirit-filled. Jesus is always on our mind. With our spiritual eye, we can see him in every situation, every time an opportunity comes to witness. To to take great decisions to move a church from one building to the center of a town, which could cause a split in many other churches, It's spirit-led. It's a church that can see Jesus through all the nonsense and say, listen, we want to reach the people. And it means we ourselves are going to have to move out of our comfort zones. Yeah? There's comfort in going to church every week for an hour and going home and getting the, the roast beef. It's nice. You can plan your holidays around it. What is isn't comfortable is moving your church into a, a village and standing up and saying, listen, we're doing this. but don't know exactly what we're doing, but we're doing it. I can have that all day long because it means the Spirit's in control. But Stephen was full of the Holy Ghost. May it be said about us in this life that people look on and say, that man, that woman was full of the Holy Ghost. I could see Jesus in them. See, when a man is drunk with wine, you know he's drunk with wine, don't you? he's a fool. He talks the utter nonsense 24-7. But likewise, when one is drunk in the spirit, you know they're drunk in the spirit. Don't, don't you? They've got this thing about them where you just want to be near them. When somebody carries a presence of God, it's infectious. Now, I want to show you something this morning very quickly. Our text this morning is Acts 8 verse 1. Go to Acts 1 verse 8. It's the complete opposite. Acts 1, verse 8. I just want to show you this verse. These are the words of Jesus to the early church. These are the words of Jesus to you. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. What will be the results of this? You will be my witnesses. You will tell people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now Jesus is speaking about a par that will come after He ascends into heaven. If you could just pay close attention to this next week, but I just want to get this across. Now this par isn't some strange force. This par is a third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. We want more of God. we can't have more of God. He's in heaven. We want more of Jesus, we can't. He's beside God in heaven. We want more of God. we get it in the form of the Holy Spirit. God sent the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit was poured out and the church was birthed. And it's through this outpouring that the church was empowered to be a witness of Christ and his salvation. That's our witness, the good news of the gospel. But the problem is that in Acts chapter 8 now, where we, where we started off this morning, our text this morning, the church is still in Jerusalem. You see, they're still where the, they the started off because it's comfortable. I'm not sure if they eat roast beef after church in them days, but they eat something and they're probably comfortable and they're doing their stuff, you see. And God has to move them and us. It's estimated by scholars between two and three years these spirit-filled Christians have remained in Jerusalem, doing life like you and me. Isn't that good to know, though? That they haven't got bam bamboo and thousands saved churches built, discipleship classes all happening in one day. It takes time. Doesn't, isn't that nice? I just found that refreshing. But here they are, these early church believers, doing life two to three years before God would really push them out into action. But at this point in our text this morning, only half of Jesus' prophecy has come to pass. The Holy Spirit has come, the believers have been empowered. The church is being a powerful witness now in Jerusalem. But they've yet to reach Judea and Samaria. Didn't Jesus say that? They've yet to reach there. So I wanted to look at what happens in the verse one of our text. If you just read it, there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. Now, and they were all scattered. Where were they scattered to? The regions of Judea and Samaria. God moved the church, not by a, come on, my little lardums, that's common saying, Come by arm, we'll go into Judea here. Persecution. I've done a study on this one bit, and it was atrocious. Everything that we have and own, all our wee precious stuff that we have, our wee bank accounts, whatever that's in them, all left behind. That was the cost of following Jesus. But what I found amazing is this. God took what was bad, the persecution, and he used it to spread the gospel in the Judea and Samaria. So, in one sense, Judea and Samaria is rich with the gospel. That means all that is left now is all the ends of the earth. That's where you and I come in. That's where we come in, church. It's our turn to reach our generation. It is. I don't know about you, but I look around and I see people getting older. Thankfully, I can't see myself. I still think I'm a teen, But we have a limited amount of time. and no guarantee at that. And God has called us and a part us, and give us a purpose to be a witness to those around us. In John 16, if you're taking notes in verse 7, Jesus says this to his church, to the disciples. Listen, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now listen, it's important we understand something this morning. The Holy Spirit comes upon every believer the moment they're saved, okay? I'm not talking about a baptism that proves your salvation. I'm talking about a baptism that gives us in power and empowers us to serve. When we come to faith, to Christ, the Holy Spirit seals you. It's where we get the teaching of the, the spirit of adoption, where you are ushered straight into the family of God. Everything that you once stood for is gone. You are now a child of God. Joint earth as Christ. That's, that's what the Holy Spirit has done for you this morning, right? That's not That's not up for debate. You are saved. If you don't want to believe in a baptism, listen, you're as gloriously saved as I am. Clear? What I'm speaking about today is an infilling, an empowerment of the Holy Spirit that is subsequent to salvation. Jesus said, you will receive power. Not you might. You will receive power, and you will be my witnesses. I want to show you this in Scripture very quickly this morning. So the people in Samaria have accepted the word of God. The church has moved into these places where God has sent them through persecution. They've received the gospel. Many have got saved and now been baptized. And listen, we're told what? There's great joy in the city. We are able to bring great joy to the city. We are empowered to transform the landscape around us, church. We bring joy wherever we go. Don't let anything come in your head that tells you different. We carry a presence that we quite often can't see in ourselves. But we carry something. It's the Spirit of God. And where we go, and we carry that with us, we will bring joy into the room. So in verse 14, I want you to read this with me. The apostles in Jerusalem sent Peter and John to Samaria. 15, as soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah! I believe the church, you and I individually, need to come afresh to Christ. Wait upon the Lord, and as they waited upon the Lord, and days gone by, you know, myself personally have found myself steamrolling forward with my ideas, my my plans my delegation, my, my structure for what we're going to do to win people for God. And what I have found most is when I sit at the feet of Jesus and simple, simply ask him to use me to do something this day, I have found the most remarkable things happen with absolutely no effort of mine. Really. It's how they did it in days gone by. It's how I see this church doing it. From the pew looking up. I heard it said somewhere, don't know who or who it was, but a statement that goes something like, there's too much of the world in the church and not enough church in the world. And I don't want to get caught up in these statements. But you know something? You can never have too much of the church in the world. The church is crying out for people who are authentic. People who can stand publicly, and I will stand publicly too and say, I have not got it all worked out. Actually, if you only knew. Not got it worked out. But I know one who is so much greater than I, so much more able than I to help you. And it's him that I follow. You see, and there's freedom in that. There's freedom in that. I could tell you other stories but times has gone on about how I can be imprisoned, we can be imprisoned by trying to be something we're not. And we ended up spending years imprisoned in ourselves. Do you know? So be free this morning. Let God use you in whatever way he chooses. Just open your heart to that spur, to that presence. To be a Christian, we have to die to our will. That takes help from heaven. I have my own desires, do you not? <laughs> I have stuff that I want to do for me. But Christ would say, seek his kingdom first. And all them other wee things he just throw at you. Do you know? That's the scriptures Get your priorities right. Their heart right. But there's lures of this world that seek to destroy us, isn't there? There's things of this world that seek to pull us away from the things of God. Lures that make us desire to be great in our own eyes. If I could do this, if I had that, you know, it would help me here. And, and ultimately at the crux of it, at the very bottom of it, it simply says this, I want this so I can be greater. We might not look at it like that, but there's certain things that we strive for in life and we think this is going to help me be be more accepted, to be better, and it's all lies. And that's where Simon comes into our text. We're told this man is a sorcerer. For years, he's amazed many people with his magic. Listen to verse 9. He boasts to be someone great. This is the spirit of this man. He boasts to be great. But look what happens in verse 10. Verse 10. Everyone spoke of him as the great one, the power of God. See, many follow this man, even worship this man. But what I see in this text is this. There's a new power has come to town. It's a power that is unlike magic. See, magic's taught. The Holy Spirit isn't taught. It's a gift. It's a power that far exceeded that of Simon's. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, listen, I want to remind you this morning about the supernatural life. What the Holy Spirit does is this, among many other things it brings hard men to their knees and, and gets them to cry for mercy. It does. See, the people in your family you think are, are too hard to get saved, I can tell you the Holy Spirit brings hard men to their knees. He takes everything from under their feet. <laughs> And it shows them their ungodly state before God. And they cry for mercy. That's, that's one of the powers of the Holy Spirit. Another power is this. It restores the backslider. If you're a backslider this morning, I'm going to believe you're going to be restored. If you're listening to this on some internet thing, I believe in Jesus' name, the Spirit's going to restore your soul this morning. Is that fair enough? Because it's the Holy Spirit that does it. It heals the sick. We read about this stuff. It's the scriptures. This power brings comfort to the weary soul. Is your soul weary this morning? Maybe you need an infill, a fresh infill of the Holy Spirit in your life. But know this. With the Holy Spirit of work in Samaria, revival had broken out. This wasn't a couple of people getting saved. Revival had broken out. People were repenting before God. Souls are coming to Christ, and hope has begun to rise up in the city. Hope one of the greatest attributes of the Holy Spirit that I see is hope and joy, grace and peace, all well up within it, a city, because Jesus is there. Church, what a commission, what a privilege to carry that presence into this wee village that we too can change the landscape for Jesus. But in verse 13, this is the preacher's greatest greatest day as preaching the word. Look at verse 13. Then Simon himself believed and was baptized. Like what joy. One who was so caught up in the occult, now confessing Christ and going through the waters of baptism. But Luke wants us to see something. If you're not familiar, Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, also wrote Acts. So so, so Luke wants us to notice something about Simon. This is where we need to switch on our heads. This is where we need to see that our heart is subtle. And if we don't be careful, we can... Believe that we're serving God, but really we're serving ourselves. That's what I see here, okay? So in verse 18, Luke points our eye towards the apostles. Let's look at it. When Simon, the sorcerer, saw that the Spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy this power. Let me have this power too, he said, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. And with this speak, Simon's heart, was exposed. See, Simon saw an opportunity for him to become greater. William Barclay says this, Simon was interested not so much in bringing the Holy Spirit to others as in the power and prestige it would bring to himself. His heart wasn't right, church. He seen an opportunity to be great, to be the man, to be be more powerful. See, he, he wanted the anointing, but he didn't want the anointing to serve the kingdom of God. He wanted the anointing to serve the kingdom of Simon. And as we come to the end of this service, and I want to pray, if Neil gives us permission, just over the church, that the spirit would fall upon your lives. I just want to say this to you this morning. We don't approach the things of God like that. I did at the time, come come for the, the infilling and to be prayed for, that I would receive the Holy Spirit. In the back of my mind, I realized I wanted to be a better Christian. I wanted to be greater in the church. Do you know? I did. Thank God He showed that to me after many years. So, I just want to say that briefly over this morning. But we come to receive from God, we come that we can glorify Him and serve His kingdom. Our own kingdom's not involved. See, Simon witnessed something. He witnessed many miracles, but one miracle that I see was this. He witnessed joy, true joy in the face of, on the countenance of those who are the outcasts who had nothing in life. And all of a sudden, he could see true joy rise up among many other things. And he says, I want a piece of this. Church, I want to be a man who transforms the landscape for Jesus. I don't care about me anymore. I don't care what people say or think of me anymore. In a, in a few months, I have to do a service where I'm actually marrying my mother no, I mean marrying as a minister, not marrying my mother. Things has went bad in society. But, you know, I have an opportunity. I have an opportunity. My family will not come to a service. I have faced realities in my life. Well, will I just do the service and, and not mention Jesus? That's the truth. Or, or will I just mention him in a prayer? Or, or will I take a few moments and tell them about the goodness of God that leads people to repentance? That's, that's what's going on in me. I've stood in many a wee pulpit and I've proclaimed Jesus with all my might. Hallelujah. I'm going to stand in front of my family, 78 of them, and I am at my wit's end. And I am going to pray like I've never prayed before for an infilling of the Holy Ghost that as I stand there and simply just tell them about the goodness of God that the Holy Spirit will move in their lives and change them. How much faith do I have of that happening? Very few, very little. But I'm not relying on my faith. So don't you be. Don't be relying on your power to change. If God comes and moves, he comes and moves. If a seed's planted, a seed's planted, he will give it the water and give it the increase, won't he? So I want to pray over our lives. But before I close, I want to say this. R.L. Corsi in his book called The Alluring Brightness of His Glory says this. Now, he highlights the danger of us trying to love the world and trying to love Christ at the same time. Now, I want to just get this in. He says this. Judas loved Christ, but only as a means to obtain money. He says a rich young ruler loved Christ, but he loved the riches more. In other words, he chose heaven over hell, but earth over heaven. See? The dangers of the heart. Simon, our topic this morning, loved Christ but only as a means to spiritual power. What a fool. He could have had so much and more if he'd just seen the glory of God. So you feel this morning, I am in no way able to change the landscape around my home, my workplace, in my church, whatever it is I do. Maybe even in your ministry that you serve so faithfully, faithfully there's times you feel weak and poor and ratchet. That's why Jesus says in John 16, it is to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the helper will not come, you see? He's saying this is how you're meant to feel. Don't worry, I know this. That's why I'm going away. I'm going to send the Spirit. Maybe the worship team, could we have a, play a bit of music just to create a bit of an altar? I want to I give an opportunity for for. for for, for Neil and myself to pray, either individually, but certainly going to pray over. And if Neil's happy, happy about if somebody wants to come for prayer, that, yeah, if not, but we're going to pray anyway. And I'll stand beside Neil and we'll pray for you. But a question I used to ask myself about this supernatural life, Where does the Scripture say about this infilling of the Holy Spirit? I've heard great examples, uh, and I thought to myself, well, I've approached the altar knowing that actually inside me things aren't that good or my circumstances aren't that good or my being a Christian probably aren't that good, you see? And I used to always think it, it relied on me being, me doing. Was I good enough, God, to receive this Holy Spirit? So uh, let me take you to the Scripture where we're instructed and, and tell you what it says, and it's found in Luke 11:13, And he's speaking to us so, if you sinful people, <laughs> isn't is amazing how we're dressed? You, you feel sinful, and God says, "So, you sinful people, know how to give good gifts to your children, don't we? You spoil them rotten. I see them out the children on about with big donuts this morning. And when I was a child at church, you lucky all you got in church was a slapper in the ear. Now we get donuts. But you know what we're saying? We we love our children, and we are sinners by nature, and yet we spoil them with good things." we have their back what well, God's saying listen you might be more aware now of your sinfulness and that's because my spirit's within you but I want to pour good things into your life good gifts into your life you don't long, no longer have to strive to be something because you already are something so it says if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him simple it's not, right, listen, I want you to go two months without sinning. You, I want you to go for three months. Because you need more work. It's simply, listen, come. As children of God, in faith, and asked. Not to swing from them, lights up there, but to change the landscape. So if you personally feel that this is for you this morning, come up to the front and kneel, and we'll stand with you. But as a church, I am going to pray and it's up to you whether you open your heart or not Okay, up to the heart that, that this infilling this Holy Spirit power of Pentecost which is so alive today if I had time I could tell you about a church of Ireland meeting I was at this week my word the gifts oh, I had to check myself, was I in the right place God was moving New wine. oh church <laughs> you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. So an opportunity you want to come for, to be filled with the Spirit, we're going to pray. But there's also this, in somebody else's spirit this morning, I believe joy has been ripped from your heart. And God wants to restore that today. Notice the words God wants to restore that today, I can't or Neil can't, the Holy Spirit can. Now, I got this vision as I was thinking this morning about this church and I got this vision of somebody walking around with their head down and this verse come to my head that Christ is the lifter of our heads the enemy is the oppressor he wants us to walk around in filth and shame, and disgust God says not at all you walk around with your head up know, you see, now are a child of God the old is gone so if you need prayer this morning for restored joy please come to the front I know it's awkward isn't it that specific one, joy. What about healing this morning? Listen, what about this? If we can pray for anything, it's not a broad spectrum. If we can pray for anything, come to the front. And I'm going to start it off because I'm going to ask Neil and David to pray for me for another fresh infill in the Holy Spirit because this wedding's really getting to me. It's getting to me. I do many services that doesn't get to me This is getting to me. So I need fresh infill. I need fresh boldness in the faith. Maybe you need a hunger for the word this morning. Maybe the Bible's just closed. The days of old, it's closed. I love reading Nehemiah. You You know when Israel opened the books, it says he found the book and he opened it. It had been closed for years and the people were dying. Their walls was down of Jerusalem. Maybe your walls is down today. The book's been closed. Maybe a hunger to open that book this morning. Addictions. These are specific things in my mind this morning. Addictions. You need to be set free from them this morning. So I'm going for prayer. You're welcome to follow. And at the end, I'm going to pray with the church anyway. Is that fair enough? Actually, I'm going to pray with the church now and I'm going for prayer and I'm down and I'm out of here. Father, we well, thank you for the word this morning. And Lord, there's only so much, so much the human mind can take in. But I pray in the spirit this morning that Lord, if what truth has been said this morning, that it would testify with the spirits of your children. And maybe for those this morning who haven't heard of this before, or or maybe weary of it, Lord, Father, I pray you would, through the power of the Holy Spirit, lead them into all truth, Lord, and show them. This is what your word says. And uh, Father, we know within ourselves that we are weak. Oh Lord, we desire to do so much more for Jesus. But like Paul says, the things I desire to do, I, I don't do them. And the things I don't want to do, I find myself doing them in abundance. Father, so easy for us to gratify the flesh. Lord, I pray over this whole church that, Lord, you would fill this church with the Holy Spirit. And Lord, you have planted this church in this wee village, Lord, for this season. And Lord, in Jesus' name, I prophesy over this church where, wherever they step, in Jesus' name, that they will change the landscape, Lord, and joy will be planted and raised up. Jesus' name.